Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Heels of Wrestling. I'm your host, Marcus Merton, along with my co-host, Bobby. Bobby, what up? What up, what up? And this week, we have a special guest. Uh, he is a former WWE referee, and you can catch him right now wrestling on the indie scene. Welcome, Wes Adams, to the podcast. Wes, what up? Hey, thank you for having me. So, Wes, as we ask everybody... How did you get into wrestling? How did I get into wrestling? Um, man, it's kind of a long, complicated story. I try to give you the abbreviated version. Um, I started watching wrestling when I was four years old. I started at a good uh, time. Mid-South was still hot. This would have been about 1984, 85. Uh, the okay. AWA was still kicking. WWF was taking off. The NWA was still around. Uh, I started watching with my late great-grandfather and my uncle. And it was one of those things that the first time I saw it, I knew that was something that I was going to do. Not I wanted to do that, but I am going to do that. Uh, so passion. that was a long, long time. It took me a long time to get there. Uh, I started training with the weights early. I uh, tried to get involved in athletics, tried to you know make myself ready for when the time came. And the time came my third year of college. Uh, there was a local wrestling promotion and I was in college for radio um, and TV broadcasting originally. And the local promotion was looking for a ring announcer and a buddy of mine from my hometown actually was roommates with a local wrestler named uh, Monty Warbucks. And uh, they kind of put me in touch and brought me in as a ring announcer for the local events. Uh, Cause nobody mm-hmm. wanted to do it. Uh, it. This was 2001. Uh, you know, wrestling was starting to die off and it wasn't the hot thing. And of course, you know, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I want to do it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the um, Monty put in a word for me and got me on uh, with the local wrestling outfit as the ring announcer, uh, ring announce for a couple of months. And then they started training me to work. Uh, had my first official match March of 2001, which is really sorry month to have your first match in because as everybody knows that was the month that Vince bought WCW and DCW and all job prospects immediately went down the toilet. So I didn't pick a very good week to start wrestling, but that's kind of, the, <laughs> that's kind of the short version. That's cool. That's cool. So you say that the jobs prospects just plummeted. Did, was WCW like one of the big feeders for like the indie stars design? Cause I felt like WCW is kind of a closed off roster. Uh, at the time, it was uh, WCW. You know, they towards the end they got into a hiring freeze, and they weren't hiring a lot of people. But by the time I started wrestling, Vince had bought them, and they had closed up shop. So there, you know, I wasn't going to WCW, wasn't going to ECW, and all of a sudden you had you know a hundred out of work wrestlers trying to get into WWE or F at the time. So yeah. the prospects of getting there weren't very good um you know when you have a roster full of wcw talent and ecw talent with years of experience uh proven ability to draw money yeah they're not gonna be looking for a a brand new rookie guy from mississippi (laughs) to sign up to their (laughs) developmental so it was kind of a rough time so it was a interesting time but what was your uh solution what did you uh do well my solution was to as soon as i i started working matches uh, I, I started making as many contacts as I could. It was all about networking. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I tried to make a little uh, cheap website 
uh, started marketing, started trying to make connections in the dressing room, uh, pick brains, and just try to branch out there. Uh, and eventually, I made two very good connections uh, that are still good friends of mine to this day, uh, Joe Kane from Louisiana and JC North from uh, Georgia. Uh, made good friends with those guys, and they both kind of uh, were, they were veterans, took me under their wing and started helping, helping me get booked in other places uh, outside of Mississippi. Uh, I started trying to attend seminars. Uh, this was before the seminar business had really taken off. So oh, if okay. I would one, I would try to go to it um, and just try to just get out as much as I could. And, you know, eventually just kept at it, kept at it. And then opportunity uh, came. What was that opportunity? Uh, the opportunity was a set of, um, job matches for WWE got booked as an extra talent. Uh, I'd been doing independence for about six years. Um, the way it came about was I was on an independent show in Tennessee and I wrestled Sir Mo, uh, former WWF tag team champion. And, uh, after it was over, uh, oh, okay. you know, we sat down and talked and he, uh, asked me, he said, have you been actively trying to you know, get to the WWE. And I, I told him I had not. I said, I, I said, I send tapes, you know, twice a year. Uh, I'll try to call, but I wasn't really pushing for it. And he kind of mm -hmm. gave me a really, really good heart to heart talk. Uh, he told me, he said, you know, you have a uh, talent, you have ability, you, but you have to be aggressive. He said, they're not going to come get you. He said, you have to go get them. And he said, I think you can do it. And he said, you need to really start trying. And I, I thanked him and I, I took his advice to heart and I started uh, producing DVDs of my matches. I took uh, pictures. Uh, I made oh, wow. portfolios uh, and I sent them daily. I sent them probably, I made 10 different packages and I tried to send one every other day and signed it uh, certified mail. So talent relations department would have to sign for it. And I, started <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. I started calling uh, friends of mine that I knew who had been booked as extras for WWE and said, uh -huh. hey, who's the contact person? Because the contact person for extras booking in WWE changes pretty frequently. Uh, for you know, for years, it was, uh, I think, Bruce Pritchard. Then it was Jim Cornette. Then I think maybe Jim Ross. And then it got to the hands of uh, Tommy Dreamer. And then Johnny, it was just it's never ending. So it's, it's always hard to find out who's in charge. Well, at the time, um, Mike Bucci, uh, Supernova, Simon Dean was in charge. And um, what I found out was that um, you had to call the office and try to get a hold of him, which uh, getting hold of anybody on the phone up there is pretty much impossible. And, you know, they're not going to call you back, even if you leave a voicemail, unless, you, yeah. you know, somebody somebody that they know. And uh, uh, I started calling talent relations daily uh, and just calling, calling, calling. And the secretary answered the phone. Uh, you know, we're wrestling entertainment. Talent relations, please. One moment. Ring, ring, ring. Voicemail. I wouldn't leave a voicemail. I'd always hang up and call back and keep calling, keep calling. Uh, and then finally, I got Mike on the phone and he was like, yeah, you're the guy that keeps sending me all the tape packages. I got it. I'm going to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Persistence. <laughs> so, hey, man, he knew who you were. He knew who you were. That's all that matters. Yep. yep. So, um, you know, uh, he's, you know, he said, "Hey, give me a, give me a couple days. Call me back. Gave me a time and date to call him back, and said, um, you know, I'm going to look at it, and then we'll see what we what, what we can do for you." 
so I called him back. And then um, at the time, WWE had started to do these tryouts before house shows where they would get local independent talent together. And Finley and Steve Kern would put them through squats, push-ups, a little calisthenics, and then have them work matches to kind of see if there's any potential there. So they had set some of these tryouts out before house shows up throughout the country. And that's how Kofi Kingston got signed because this was right about the time. This was right about the time Uh, Kofi had done uh, one of those tryouts. And that's what Mike had told me. Uh, They were looking to set up a tryout in um, Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, He said, I'm going to look at trying to get you in one of these tryouts that we're doing. He said, just hang tight. I'll, you know, I'll let you know. He's, and then he gave me another date. He said, I want you to call me back um, like in two days or something like that. So I called uh-huh. him back. He said, uh, I said, hey, Mike, it's Wes Adams, Mississippi. He said, uh, he said, yeah. Um, he said, I'm sorry, but the tryouts canceled. Ooh, and oh, I mean, man. it's like my heart. Hey, uh, they they dropped that practice. I guess that they didn't keep that practice around very long, uh, uh-huh. which was kind of disappointing. But, you know, he immediately picked, uh, picked me up and he said, man, he said, uh, I want you at TVs. Uh, we're, take, we're having Raw in Lafayette and we're doing SmackDown ECW in Mobile. And I want you at the TVs for extra talent. Oh, wow. And I said, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, after six years of doing independence, um, I got my first uh, WWE extra gig. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty amazing experience to get that, get that booking. So when you say was extra talent, was it like security? Was it like someone that got beat for a big up and coming star? There was no, there's no set, um, no set role. Uh, all you know is you're booked. You're booked for the event. Sh- uh, show up, and then do what whatever it is they tell you to do. Um, they might get you in the ring and work out with you before the show. They might. Um, have you cut promos? They might have you stand around and do nothing. It, it just depends on what's going on for that TV. So, yeah, you might get thrown into a security spot. Uh, if you're lucky, have a marketable look. You might get a job match. Uh, fortunately, I was there when they still had the Sunday Night Heat tapings, and those at that point were pretty much just squash matches. So yeah. <laughs> I got a squash match, and uh, it's so funny because my squash match was against Big Daddy V, Viscera. He was still doing the Love Machine gimmick. You so got squashed by Viscera? First match, and it was oh, so man. funny because I, I got to work both members of Men on a Mission. <laughs> really? I was like, yeah, because I'd worked work Mo on the independent show, and he's the one that gave me the advice. And then All uh, right, they, yeah. they, uh, to Big Viss, and uh, Big Viss was such a nice guy. And, and you know, it was just the um, four-year anniversary of, Pat, of his passing. And I had met Viss on the Indies uh, in Memphis. So I, worked, I worked the Memphis territory for Lawler for a little bit. In uh-huh. 2004, for about a year, so I knew I knew uh, uh, Big Vis, and we got talk, caught up. And I was like, I said, "Hey, man, I'm your sacrificial lamb for tonight." And he's he patted me on the back. And goes, "Yeah, kid, we gonna have fun." <laughs> and I said, <laughs> so, um, "So, I we had the squash match, and uh, he must he was such a nice guy. He must have really liked me because he saved me. Uh, you remember when he was doing the Love Machine?" gimmick and he would do the butt hump spot <laughs> yes he, yes i do he would take the guy down and do the hump 
he spared me of that. And God bless his soul. He did not put me. <laughs> but, you know, he um, we had a, you know, for what it was a match to make him look uh, look good. Uh, he gave me a few, you know, a few spots in there before he swatted me off and and uh, finished me. Um, and it turned out, you know, pretty well. And I got used the next night uh, in a match on ECW. So that was that that was my first experience as an extra. Uh, what was your uh, second one? You said you had a uh, two talent hands, right? Yeah. The next, uh, the next night um, I was brought in to mobile for the TV tapings. Uh, and I got put in with uh, Monty Brown, who was doing Marcus Corvan on the live ECW. Um, I got put into a match with him, uh, did the squash match on live ECW, uh, which is actually, uh, you can actually see that on the WWE network. They added all those old shows. Uh, to the network, and that was one oh, really? of those. That's, that's up there, and um, I did Man, that match. That to that. After that match, uh, Johnny uh, said, he said, good job, kid, get a shower and come to my office. In and Connecticut? I said, yes, sir. No, uh, the talent relations office at the TV table. Oh, okay. They always set up a talent relations office at all the TV tapings uh, for different things, and uh, I went and found his office, and that was when we talked, and he offered me the uh, referee position. What was your first reaction to the offer? Absolutely. <laughs> I like it. No, no hesitation. And, and, you know, that's something that uh, I can't See, say like, I regret it. What's that? That was one of my big questions. Is You know, I mean, obviously you started out wanting to be a wrestler, and they offer you a referee job. Was it? I, I didn't know, like, how the perception would be if you felt like it was a snub or if you felt – you know, hey, I've got a job opportunity. Here's my way to make it. Yeah, that's what that was my that was my thought process. I mean, um, I, I've always been a person who's I didn't just want to know how to wrestle. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to referee. I wanted to ring announce. I wanted to book. I wanted to promote. I didn't want to just do one thing. I wanted to know how to do everything. Um, and, and at the time, you know, when he offered that to me. Yeah, you know, there was never, and of course, you know how the independents work. The rumor around uh, Mississippi was, "Oh, Wes, they told him he sucks as a wrestler, so we're going to make him a referee." <laughs> and there was absolutely <laughs> nothing to that. Um, but he he offered me the position, and you know he wanted to an answer immediately. You know, it wasn't oh, like wow. you know didn't wait. You know, hey, would you be interested? Um, and I, I didn't think about it too long. Um, and I didn't even have a discussion with him. I just accepted it. And sometimes, you know, I wonder if like, hey, should I have talked to him a little bit more about me and what I'd done uh, and what I wanted to do? Because I was yeah. I was 26 years old. I was in my athletic prime. Um, part of the reason, and I believe he made me a referee, was because um, I'm, you know, it nowadays I, I would be – you know, some of the guys are so small, but back then I was pretty average. You know, I wasn't overly huge. Uh, definitely wasn't gassed up or anything. I, I don't have tattoos. I have short brown hair, facial, no facial hair at the time. Uh, I look, I looked like what a referee should look like. And I think that's what he saw. And that was part of partly my detriment because one of the reasons I never did get tattoos or, or do anything crazy like that was because I'd always heard WWE wanted to have wanted you to have a blank slate, you know, 
so they could make you into what they wanted you to be. So that was kind of my thought process behind that. But I guess I was just a little too blank of a slate. And Johnny said, oh, he'd be a good referee. I'm going to offer him a job. So um, <laughs> but, uh, it wasn't, um, you know, it was Johnny just offering somebody an opportunity. And I never thought uh, anything um, bad about it. Uh, certainly didn't think anything bad about it after those first paychecks came. And, um, so I, I got an education in wrestling, um, probably did hurt my independent wrestling prospects, uh, because af- you know, after I got released, uh, you know, there's not a huge market for an ex referee on the independent scene. Um, uh, mm. it's very hard out there. It's hard enough for a wrestler, but you know, for a wrestle, a referee to go back to being a wrestler, it was very hard. Um, so I, I kind of focused my efforts into promoting my own shows after my release. So, um, but again, you know, it was, a, how long, a time. Hmm? how long were you with the company? Uh, with the just, just about two years, almost two years, two years. Did you ever referee in a mania or any major pay-per-views? Uh, yeah, I, I made every pay-per-view in the rotation. Uh, I started on the road in May of 2007 and stayed on the road until, uh, uh, first week of August, um, in 2008, uh, I made every pay-per-view, uh, I got to referee, a dark match at the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. Uh, I got to take part, take part in the Divas Battle Royal at SummerSlam 2007, uh, referee a dark match at Survivor Series 07 and take place in the uh, ECW title shot battle Royal at WrestleMania 24 that Kane won. Uh, and then I got to do, um, a few, uh, elimination chamber, uh, Punjabi prison, uh, refereed a lot of dark matches. Uh, I actually got to referee a raw pay-per-view ladies title match between, uh, Beth Phoenix and Mickey James. Um, John Cone's wife went into labor early in the afternoon. So John flew home to be with her. And they put me in his spot on that pay-per-view. So I had one appearance. Uh, that was the only singles match that I refereed on a pay-per-view. Uh, everything else was either Battle Royal or specialty match. What would you say was your favorite type of match to referee? Mm, I would say the house shows. Uh, okay. When I started getting to do some house show loops and the atmosphere was so much more laid back, the talent would get mm-hmm. to actually work longer matches, uh, work more traditional matches, more heat, more hot tags come back. And typically I would be put in the, either the divas matches and, or the tag team matches. So I refereed a lot of tag team matches from 2007, 2008 era, uh, matches with Deuce and Domino, uh, Jimmy Wang Yang and Shannon Moore, uh, Jesse and Festus, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, um, those were some of the tag teams that were hot. Miz, Miz and Morrison were just starting to take off and I refereed a lot of their matches, uh, and working their tag team matches was very, very, um, very fun, very entertaining. Um, uh-huh. especially when you don't have the restrictions of, of television and they can go out and work a 20 minute tag match and work, uh, type of wrestling that they don't necessarily always get to work on TV. All right. So I've got a question. What was your favorite in-ring moment you were either as a referee or a wrestler? 
Oh. Yeah, it's a tough one. It took me a while to come up yeah. with questions. <laughs> you know, I, I can't. It's hard to pinpoint because I've you know I've been blessed with so many good opportunities and and so many good memories. Not only with WWE, but in my independent career, uh, I've I've been able to be in the ring with a lot of uh, my favorites growing up. I've been able to make it to all the pay per views. Got to go to one WrestleMania. Um, I guess one that really kind of stands out at the time, um, and this is just one, I'm just picking one out of thin air, uh, was whenever uh, I got my first, um, when I first started on the road with WWE, and I got the travel, and they and Mark Crono from Talent Relations has said, hey, we're, we're bringing you to SummerSlam 2007. Uh-huh. And, I, and I said, oh, I'm, go- you know, I'm going to SummerSlam. You know, that's pretty cool. Um, so he gave me my travel and, you know, at the time I, I thought, you know, I was just going to be a backup referee, um, you know, cause I, I had just started with the company, uh, six months earlier. I was green. I'd never refereed before until they trained me. So I was, I was green as grass on the referee side. And I, I didn't think there's any chance of me making the pay-per-view. Well, when I get to the pay-per-view, I find out that there's a tri-branded Divas Battle Royal on the main card, and my name was listed as one of the Battle Royal uh, entrants, or not mm-hmm. entrants, but the, uh, the referees. So of course I was, was kind of kind of freaking out on the inside. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be on SummerSlam," and uh, well, then I get pulled aside and said, "Hey, since you're the SmackDown uh, referee for this Battle Royal, you're going to stay out there for the Matt Hardy and MVP." A beer drinking contest. Uh, this was when they were doing their feud. Yes. And they were doing, doing the One game. of the best feuds of all time. Yes. Uh, I refereed uh, their basketball game on SmackDown. Um, and they put me in that. And then I found out that the special referee for the – or the judge for the beer drinking contest was Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I got to share a ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin on – pay-per-view uh and that is something that just you know doesn't happen every day uh i'm gonna have to go back and watch that i regret that i wasn't able to inch my way in for a stunner but hey (laughs) it's on tape it's on the network uh you know it's on dvd so that's just one one of the many memories that stands out so actually now that you talk about dvds do referees get royalties or no um, I kind of assume. No referees. Uh, yeah, no. Being a referee, uh, I was fortunate uh, for the time I was there because uh, I was kind of getting three paychecks. I was getting my developmental mm-hmm. downside guarantee. Okay. I got paid for the, being on the road. Uh, not long after working on the road, they put me on the ring crew, so I would get mm-hmm. paid to do the ring crew as well, which was a separate paycheck from working the shows as a talent. Um, plus you get to fill out expense reports and get reimbursed for your road expenses. So oh, nice. had a pretty good gig there, uh, while I was there. Um, but unfortunately the referees, uh, I don't imagine that it's changed, but, uh, referees pretty much your main payoff is your live events and your house shows, um, and pay-per-views if they still, I don't know how the bonus system is now with the WWE network, but, um, you know, they, um, if you're not on the ring crew, you're not getting that extra check. So it's just, 
you know, the referees make good money, but not as much as the talent, which I mean, is rightfully so nobody pays to see the referee, nobody outside of their immediate family. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) it was not even him. How's your, uh, how's your post WWE career looking like right now? Non-existent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're not wrestling, bro? No, um, you know, I kind of went hard at it for a while, promoting, um, Mm -hmm. doing a little bit of training, um, and just, you know, I hate to say that, uh, that my passion for the Indies is just not there like it used to be. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, my wife, she, she wrestles too. Um, and we, you know, we did independence together. We traveled some, we actually, Oh, both worked as extras as rosebuds for for a loop of shows back in 2014. Everyone's and, been and, a rosebud. <laughs> Everyone has been a rosebud. Um, I actually was the bunny on two house shows. So, wow, uh, that's dope. I should be taking bookings as the WWE bunny, but I'm not that hard up for money, so I'm not gonna do that just just yet. But you know. <laughs> sweet, they let you keep uh, the costume. Uh, no. <laughs> oh well. You can get a bunny place anywhere. Wasn't wasn't Braun Strowman the bunny? He was a rosebud. No, I don't think he was the bunny. I know he was definitely a rosebud. He might have been too big for the bunny costume. Oh yeah, <laughs> big big bunny. Um, but yeah, after you know, after we got married, if we we live in Biloxi, Mississippi, we're on the coast. Uh, we like to fish and ride paddle boards and get on the boat and just you know kind of enjoy being a new married couple and. You know, wrestling's one of those things that just the priority is not there. Uh, we both teach school. We both uh, we have a flea market business. We sell sports cards and crafts and comic books at different tra- uh, trade shows and craft shows. And and wrestling's kind of a thing now that we we might we promote a show here and there or might take an independent booking here and there, but it's not a priority like it used to be because um you know it's just kind of. Uh, indi- independent wrestling has changed a lot, and not around, uh-huh. around the south, and not for the better. Uh, the independent scene in other parts of the country are on fire, but in the south, it's a different story. And you know, it's just something that I don't really want to deal with. Um, you know, I have my cup of coffee uh, with the WWE. Um, I don't anticipate ever going back, um, but. You know, so wrestling for us is kind of not a big priority right now. Uh, don't get me wrong, okay. love it. We still watch it. We listen to podcasts, shoot interviews, uh, watch the old stuff on the network, and um, you know, we we still love it. It's just you know, being part of it is not really in the cards too much at the moment. So you going to Mania this year then? No, it's in and New Orleans. Oh, and <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Last time they Weird. were down here, I didn't go. Last time they were down here, um, we we rented our rink to Dragon Gate and Evolve for the week. And mm. uh, you know how they work, you know, they set up and they they do eye pay per views. They usually have a deal with Shimmer, uh, Kaiju, Big Battle, and they run like five or six shows in a four day span. And we worked with them for four days straight, and we were we were burned out. And we just we went home and watched WWE uh, WrestleMania on the network uh, this year. Um, you know, unless somebody calls from the office and wants us to show up as a druid or a you know an extra time, <laughs> I'd be glad to make the trip. But um, 
you know, it's kind of hard for me uh, to go from being behind the curtain to paying to sit in the crowd. And mm, I don't I understand. mean to sound, I'm not trying to sound like a big shot or anything, but just for me, it's, it's hard to do. Um, not, you know, it's WrestleMania. Of course, I'm going to watch. I'd love to be there. But if I, I just feel like I, I would want to be a part of it, you know, whether the Undertaker wrestles and it was a Druid um, or, you know, if they had another uh, grand entrance, you know what I really want to do. Okay. What do you want to do? If, if there's anybody from WWE listening to this and I want this to go viral. Okay. WrestleMania this year, I would love it. If somebody would call me and ask me to be one of the singers in Bobby Roode's choir. <laughs> so I can stand up on the sa- stage and sing glorious. I would I would do that. You hear this man, so, WWE? He's one of your own. There. He's he you can make this happen for us, man. Come on, we Paul. can make this happen. Okay. I will Paul, stand up on the stage. Choir a choir road. West sings glorious. West sings glorious. Hashtag it. Absolutely. Let's, we'll let's make we'll that. We're trending. We'll get it trending tonight. Well, Friday when it's coming up. And and I, I guess I might have to brush up on my vocals, and I'll I'll uh you know. But yeah, we we got to make that happen. And then if they want me to leave after it's over, that's fine. I'll go home. <laughs> like, okay, okay, kid, your job here is done. You can go home. All right. <laughs> cool. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, that that would be that would be pretty pretty fun actually. Um. So if the indie scene was like it is now when you were coming up in wrestling, do you think you would have stuck around in the indie scene longer instead of becoming a referee for WWE? Because yes. I mean, absolutely. A- uh, and I'll tell you why. Because at the time. Uh, WWE was still in that weird phase of not really wanting to sign independent wrestlers. Um, you know, that's one thing that um, I, I kind of feel Johnny Laurinaitis gets a bad rap for was, uh-huh. um, you know, people would always say, oh, he just signs models and football players. And, you know, but the thing is, Johnny was doing he was always doing what what Vince wanted to do. You know, everybody always knows that Vince liked bodybuilder types seven foot tall that's what that's what the boss wanted so johnny would sign these guys and want to put them through the developmental system that's that's what the boss wanted uh and sometimes he would get i felt like he would get an unfair rap for that um and they weren't signing a whole lot of independent wrestlers at the time it was still kind of a you know a look down upon thing um but now, you know, now that Triple H has taken over and they've opened up relations with uh, the indies uh, and they, you know, they allow uh, road agents to go do seminars and and really get to see the independent scene. And that's why I was saying, like, the independent well, I mean, in the one Northeast of in California is blowing up and there's a lot more opportunities for independent wrestlers. So, no, at the time, I if things were different, I wouldn't have taken a referee position, but they weren't. And um, so that kind of, that kind of played into my decision to accept the job as well. Well, I mean, cause now, you know, you've got like these big stars that are in other promotions that, you know, are battling the WWE with viewerships. Like, I mean, Wrestle Kingdom this year was huge. I mean, Kenny Omega is a huge draw. Uh, and what Tyler Bate is a WWE champion and is still technically an independent wrestler because he wrestles other promotions. 
Right, I, think that, right. I think that's crazy. The fact that there's someone with a WWE championship belt that is allowed to wrestle in other promotions with the belt is nuts. It, it really is. And it's not something that you would have ever, ever thought would happen. Now, you know, granted, it's not the Intercontinental title or the, the Universal title. It's the UK championship or the, I don't know if, they, if they've done that with the Cruiserweight championship. But, um, but yeah, to have a WWE title on another show is, is kind of, you know, some, it's mind-boggling. And it's good. It's a very good thing. Um, cause it builds brand recognition for them and also helps a local promotion draw. So, yeah, sure. Oh yeah. And I think it's the prettiest belt they make. That UK belt is, it is, it is such a nice belt and because some of the belts, um, are rather lacking in, in design, but well, they, all the main roster belts look the same besides the right, tag belts. Right. Um, funny story. You want to talk, you want an ugly wrestling belt story? Sure, yes. Of course. The day that they unveiled the Divas belt, the butterfly belt. I hate that damn thing. <laughs> it is I, the second worst belt in history. Um, <laughs> we were in gorilla position, and Johnny was holding it in his hand, and he was staring at the belt, and he was saying, he was like, I don't know. There's something wrong with this belt. <laughs> <laughs> missing i don't know what it is big show walks behind johnny doesn't even bat an eye and just says it's ugly and just keeps <laughs> on walking <laughs> turned his head and like everybody like kind of just looked at the ground because we everybody knew that thing that thing was ugly as homemade sin it looked like a clear <laughs> success from claire's boutique and it was hideous it was used um, for a while, though. It was. It was. Because they didn't care. Yeah, they didn't care about the women's division for a while. It looked like a brat's like accessory from a toy. I think my niece made one on her light bright. <laughs> Pro- <laughs> probably looked better. Yeah. So like, don't it try looks to wear like a belt. You would get a four-year-old to make for like women. If you ask a four-year-old, yeah. make a belt for your women's champion. Unfortunately, we're you know we're in a good new era for you know ladies wrestling, and they you know their their world championship belts you know look like the the men's belts. So mm-hmm. uh, we're that's a good thing that they've made improvements on that. Yeah, I like the new championship belts. I think the women's ones are nice. If we could just talk about this cruiserweight belt, I mean, come on, it's, that thing oh, looks like God. Oh wait, never mind. Wait. Oh crap! Is the Divas belt the third worst in his? No, it's still second. No, Cruiserweight's third, that, and the Spinners first. People that love cruise, that Cruiserweight. I hate that belt. belt. I hated having a look at that. That, but let's get back to the Cruiserweight belt. Cruiserweight belt looks like a like a third-rate boxing welterweight championship. It does not look like a wrestling title. It looks plastic. I just don't, leather, it looks plastic. I don't know where they got that shade of purple from because I didn't see that shade of purple until the WWE pulled it out. I don't know. Well, I funny. Think they might. I've seen someone that has bought it and put it on black leather, and then he he took the the plates and made them gold, and it looked way better. That's the original yeah. design. Yeah, but it was like the original design for the cruiserweight belt had a black. You can look. You can Google it. No, no, it had I, a I black know. belt, and it was gold. But like the way he did it, it was like a black belt and it had gold and like with the silver accents where like the black is. 
Oh, okay. So it, that like, it was like kind of it was like shiny and like it looked like it was something that you'd want to win instead of like something you get out of a gumball machine. Speaking of ugly wrestling belts, opinions on the WWE version of the ECW title? Uh, the ECW title? I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't exactly whatever want to wear it, but it wasn't horrible. It's not, um, something, it's not something I would have ever bought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if uh, I had, a, if someone had to give me a choice of belts, that's definitely not my belt. <laughs> oh, funny story about that belt. Um, I was one of the first people to see that belt, and it was pure accident. <laughs> um, uh, every TV tape, and oh, they had a board. They had a dry erase board. Uh, where you would write the matches. A uh, referee was assigned to write the matches. Uh-huh. And I was usually, usually the one that wrote the board for the SmackDown ECW tapings. And they always kept the board in the magic department, which is where they kept a lot of the props, the uh, extra tables, chairs, uh, things like that. And uh, I was going to look for the board before TV taping. And I opened the door and I opened um, like a little box. It was like this big uh, cabinet looking box. And I open it and uh-huh. behind box was a podium with the brand new ECW belt on it that was to be debuted that night and nobody had yet seen except for probably the people in the magic truck and Vince and Johnny (laughs) so I was like oh man you know if I was a really bad person I could take a picture of this and send it to the dirt sheets (laughs) yep my job so I didn't do that but I did I ran out to the ringside and Mike Posey uh who was a referee with me I said, Mike, 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 come here, come here, come here. I got to show you something. And I took him to the back magic department and we went in there. He's like, hey, what, what is it, man? And I was like, open that box right there. <laughs> he opens the box and he goes, wow, is that the new ECW belt? And I said, I don't know. What does it say on it? And he said, ECW? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> then they had the, they had the ceremony. Of, uh, and I can't remember who got the first big belt. If it was, uh, I think, I think it was, was Mark. Lashley. Was it Mark Henry? Was it no, it wasn't Lashley. Lashley was gone at this point. But uh, I want to. I think Mark Henry. Uh, Mark Henry got the new, the big silver version of the ECW belt. Yeah, the big hunk of silver. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a All they had to do was put some color to it, and it wouldn't have just looked like a like a plate. Well, I guess it was WWE silver medal for a while, so it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> It was it, true. The, the silver one was so bad. It was horrendous. I, and it was made out of hubcaps. <laughs> I don't what? doubt that. So, who's your favorite looked, wrestler right now? It looked awkward. Nobody could wear it, and it looked good. I mean, when Christian won it and he put it on, man, it thing like you couldn't see half of his upper body. That thing was so big. Like, that's, <laughs> the, that's the. That's the mark of a classic wrestling belt is it has to look good on anybody. Uh, the winged eagle belt, it looked good on anybody. That was the bag. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That belt looked good on anybody. Oh, I just got the oval intercontinental belt, and that is my favorite all time. That that belt looked good on anybody. Um, the classic intercontinental belt looked good on anybody to me. The big gold belt. That's the Ric Flair belt to me. To me, that belt never looked right on anybody but Ric Flair. Uh, I like it. It's a nice belt. But to me, it doesn't rank very high on my all-time list. And I might get heat for that. But I'm just saying. I've got a big gold. Yeah, I like the big gold belt. For mine, has Dolph Ziggler's name on it. In case you don't know, Wes, I'm a giant Dolph Ziggler fan. 
It's pretty weird. Oh, I'm a I'm a big Dolph Ziggler fan too. He went through some major trials to get where he is. He is a nice guy, and he deserves everything that he gets uh, from WWE. He is a hard hard worker and one of one of the best. So I he is pretty good in the ring. He is. Uh, you know, I've seen that guy um, uh, during training. Uh, he would he would train just like he was in front of ten thousand people. Uh, you know, after the Spirit Squad, and he was trying to get his way back on the the roster, uh, main roster. Uh, he was a hard worker. He he deserves everything he gets, and I'm you know very you know proud to have gotten to work with him for the time that I did. Who would you say was your favorite person to work with while you were at the company? Um, hmm. This is where like he tells us a story about Dwayne the Rock Johnson or something. It just stuns us all. Uh, no, uh, as far as refereeing, as far as refereeing matches, or just yeah, um, yeah as far as refereeing matches, yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed working um, with um, Chavo Guerrero. Um, really, Chavo was uh, excellent uh, worker communicator. Uh, I liked refereeing his matches. Uh, I liked refereeing uh, uh, any any of the tag matches because I'm a big uh, tag team. Uh, wrestling fan, and I'd, I'd mm-hmm. been in a lot of tag teams in the indies. Uh, so all the tag teams I got to work with, uh, enjoyed working with them. Um, I'll tell you another person who was phenomenal to referee matches for was um, Shelton Benjamin. Um, uh, you, know, uh, it, you know, another another thing too, and I'll tell you this is a pretty interesting fact. Um, you know, but the whole time WWE's traded me to referee um tom pritchard and steve kern continued to train me as a wrestler and as a mouthpiece because they they saw me as a wrestler talker type and there was always kind of rumors that they were going to turn me into something else uh those rumors never came to fruition but they were always around so they always continued to train me uh so you know i had i was in pretty good ring shape and um only one time did i ever get blown up refereeing a match and when was that? that was a match between that was between Shelton Benjamin and Ken Kennedy on SmackDown. Uh, and I think it went through like two commercial breaks and wound up being 16 or 18 minutes of nonstop action. And it was a it was a great match. And I told both of them, I said, thank you know, thank you. Um, and that was one of the that was the first and only time that I'd ever gotten blown up refereeing a match. So uh <laughs> Shelton Benjamin and Ken Kennedy were two two guys. I appreciated working with them too. That's a great. That's great, man. That sounds fantastic. Shelton Benjamin's back and yeah. and being used very Absolutely. oddly. Absolutely, it's a well. He's on SmackDown, so it's not his fault. But SmackDown has a great tag division. You would think so, but I don't feel like it could be booked great. All right, Wes. I mean, y'all, you don't like the Bludgeon Brothers? Oh God. I I forgot about the Bludgeon Brothers because SmackDown forgot about the Bludgeon Brothers. All they're doing, I mean, they they lost. They're not even the number one contenders, yet they have them face off. I don't understand. You know, I don't care. It's a headache thinking. It's a headache thinking about the storylines of SmackDown. I, I'm I'm a I'm a Harper and Rowan fan. I like both of those guys. The the, the Bludgeon Brothers gimmick, uh, kind of paraphrase what my wife said she said that their outfits kind of look like a, a rejected cane costume <laughs> and i looked at him and i said that's exactly what it looks like 
It's like that's what they wanted Kane to wear, but the, the they just said no. Nah. He said no. I'm, I'm not doing this. And that's another great guy too. I enjoyed working with him, Kane. Definitely. Oh man, I can imagine. Kane seems like a great guy. His career's uh, coming I, to an end though. Yeah, he'll and he'll he'll always be around in some capacity. But uh, a great Kane story. Um, we were on a tour bus in England. Um, I got to go mm-hmm. on a few overseas trips, and uh. Came sitting in front of me, and he sat down. He's like, "Hello, Wes." I said, "I said, hey, Glenn, how you doing? Good, good." And, you know, we just got we got to ride, and we had a a couple hour trip. I don't remember exactly how long. And I was he was just kind of sitting there, and I was sitting there, and you know, I, I always wanted to pick people's brains. You know, that's another big thing. I like to pick people's brains, and I like to know booking details. So I just kind of took a chance, and I said, "I said, I said, hey, Glenn, can I ask you something?" He said, "Yeah, sure." I said. Oh. So when you came in as Kane, was that supposed to last as long as it did? Or is that supposed to be a one-shot deal? And he turned around and he said, well, Wes, let me tell you. And he gave me an hour-long lecture on the history of the gimmick and how it came out. And he told me about the development of the character. And if you've ever heard him him speak, uh, you know, obviously he's running for mayor. Uh, watch some of his YouTube videos of him speaking. He is such an eloquent speaker. He's such a good speaker. Yeah, he is. He talked to me for over an hour, telling me all kind of stuff about uh, we. And we even talked about his Smoky Mountain career and his career as Isaac Yakum and and uh, the New Diesel and Razor Ramon gimmick. And uh, you know, he just gave me so much detail and insight to what went into the Kane character. Uh, and and that was very gracious of him because. I, I'd only been on the road for four or five months and was still kind of, you know, still kind of new. And, you know, in WWE, you always kind of are walking a fine line because you don't want to s- seem like you're a mark, but you also want to <laughs> let people, you let people know that you appreciate the business and appreciate their contributions to the business. And he, he understood that, that I was asking out of genuine curiosity. And, you know, he, I'll, I'll never forget that. He took the time to tell me, uh, his story. Tommy Dreamer was another one uh, that you could just pick his brain. I was fortunate enough to sit with him on some airplane flights and and pick his brain about ECW and working in talent relations and and I and I could go on and on uh, with you know just being able to sit and talk with some some of these guys uh, that were so gracious with their knowledge and sharing um, their stories and their histories. And that, that's one thing that I really miss. Cause obviously I can talk about wrestling all day long, especially booking philosophies and booking characters and booking television. And that's, you know, that's one of the main things that I miss about being around the business full time is, is being able to pick people's brains like that. Wow. That's, I mean, if you ever pick Tommy dreamers, brain, Kane's brain, like they've been in the business for a combined, probably what 40 years. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no that's, doubt. That's crazy. Well, Tommy Dreamer's doing a lot of stuff now. Like he works like four or five different independent promotions just in Florida. And yeah, I've doing, seen that. I've seen him still, hopping around. He's still doing Ring of Honor stuff, and he's, and has his house a hardcore promotion. Yep. That man, God, his motor must be high because just watching half the things he does makes me tired. Yep. Oh, uh, <laughs> and I do. Uh, I have worked Tommy Dreamer one time. Really? Did you hear the wooden uh, club thing? Good. It's a triple threat match. Um, no hardcore. No hardcore uh, involved. Standard match. Very fun. Very easy. 
uh, believe it. It's, it's out there on YouTube somewhere. That's a, oh, that was dope. Who won? Oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you take the pin? I didn't. I didn't. Um, it was me and him and Luke Cox, and uh, Luke took the pin. Well, at least you didn't. Well, you know, not, you know, not that I would have had a. I would, who who was going to say no to doing a job for Tommy Dreamer? Uh, I think. Me and him were arguing over. No, I want to put Tommy over. No, I want to put Tommy over. I mean, you know, Tommy's such a he's such a nice person, you know, and he's he's done a lot uh, for the business and he's put a lot of guys over. Uh, I'll never forget. uh, He came down to a developmental show uh, for um, Florida Championship Wrestling. uh, And we ran an event in Fort Myers, Florida, and he uh, came down to try to help pop a house. Uh, for a new place that they were trying to set Florida Championship Wrestling up in. Uh, he had a match with uh, Alpha Jr., um, who went on mm-hmm. to become Manu. And uh, they were the main event. Uh, he worked him. And Tommy let him kick out of the uh, Death Valley driver and put Alpha over on a developmental show. While Tommy's still on TV with ECW. So that's, that's how gracious uh, of a person Tommy Dreamer is. Always, he's always thinking about yeah. the future. We've had an Illinois family on here. We had the Polynesian print. He works in uh, Pensacola under a few different promotions. Yeah. And he's, God, how is he related? He's, what was the guy? God, I should remember this. You talking about CFW? Yeah, we're t- the Polynesian prince. He's, yeah. he's an Illinois family member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talking about Ben? What's he thinking about? No, Peter. I'm talking about Peter, the Polynesian prince. Peter. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was trying to figure out who you, whose name you were trying to think of. Oh no, who is how is what his relation bloodline is for the Annoy family? I looked it up once. It took me a long time to figure it out. Uh, oh yeah, because there's so many people in that family. So Wes. many people. Wes, who's your favorite in the game right now? Who's your favorite wrestler? Clearly, he just said it was Dolph Ziggler. Come on, weren't you listening a couple minutes ago? <laughs> who's your real? <laughs> who's your real favorite wrestler? <laughs> Yeah, gosh, I don't have one. I don't even have an all-time favorite wrestler. It's so it's so weird. I have, you know, I can I could give you a top ten list of people I liked watching. Uh, Piper, Savage, Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously Flair. Um, guys, guys like that. Um, so you just I don't have. The, you just enjoy yeah, the art. I, yeah, I just enjoy the art. I've never had an actual favorite wrestler or anybody that I just have to watch um you know i appreciate a lot of the, i like a lot of the guys uh work uh there, there's some uh, some of the guys on tv today for me are are hit or miss uh for me um who's a miss and, uh gosh uh oh, well it's a shoot. no 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 not no no not, <laughs> not, not uh, um man um if I'm totally honest about it, um, I, uh, I've never been a big Samoa Joe fan. What? I can yeah, see that. Hang up on me. Where's no? no <laughs> we have a no hang up policy. I haven't. Um, I'm, you know, not that I'm not saying he's a bad worker or anything. Tell me, me. Come on, I've just never really been a fan of his. Um, I, I remember. Um, and I'm not going to say – I don't want to call names out on this one. Uh, but I, I remember having a, a conversation with a WWE agent in 2007. 
over a couple of cocktails. And, uh, you know, he was asking me questions about uh, my independent experience. And another agent joined us. And we started talking to independence and the name Samoa Joe was brought up. And they were, you know, they were, you know, they were kind of burying him. I didn't really know him well at the time. And they were just kind of buried. And I was thinking, wow, this is not a guy that WWE would ever sign. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I can't explain what it is. Just never been a big fan. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be devastated and lose a ton of sleep and, and just cry all night about that. But I, I, I just, mean, he's going to find you. Uh, I don't care. I'm from Mississippi. I'll, <laughs> I'll I might not win, but I guarantee you they'll, be, they'll know they've been in a fight. Oh, <laughs> um, you know the um. To me, you you know when you think of Samoans, you think of um, you think of the wide Samoans, you think of the head shrinkers, Rikishi. He's never looked Samoan to me. Oh, um, so you're saying he's he's just he's the outsider? He's the outsider I Samoan? I don't. Remember when he he's not, is his, when he his hair is his hair not long enough for you, Wes? No, remember when he had blonde hair? He's not a twig <laughs> on the Hawaii family tree. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I don't know what his his lineage is, but, uh, you know, one of, you know, the whole baggy shorts kind of thing and, you know, the kind of, um, you know, the the doughy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. (laughs) You know, uh, yeah, I kind of thought, you know, when he signed with WWE, I figured they would give him a new gimmick or a new name. But, uh, you know, he, he missed that. And but I hate it for him that he got an opportunity there and now he keeps getting hurt. That's and true. I'm afraid, I'm afraid they're going to give up, um, give up on him. Um, you know, so you know, he's, I mean, he's like one of the only in-ring WWE talents that ha- hasn't had a solo match with John Cena. Oh, that's interesting. Yep, facts of life. I mean, he's been injured. He's been injured so much. He probably just hasn't been on time. <laughs> yeah. Plus, he, he was in NXT for a while. He needs to be yeah. brought back on SmackDown. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> or they can just they can just get rid of SmackDown and give us rid of this misery. No, they can get rid of SmackDown. On uh, regional Southpaw wrestling is what they could do. Speaking of brands, let's let's get into this brand this non brand split pay per view thing that I love. So starting after WrestleMania, there's going to be no more brand split pay per views. It's going to be one a month, and it's going to feature both brands. Stupid. I think it's a great move by WWE. I don't see why you don't like it. We, I, we collectively did not like we I think we said two of the B show pay-per-views last year were good collectively as a group. Yeah. So why so, why sit through 20 more of those that suck? Well the problem I have with it is so if they have a problem because it's not just the undercard. Sometimes the main events in those shows were shit too. I agree. So if they've got a problem developing a storyline for main events where they have a month to fucking do it or two months to three months to build it up and can't successfully do it. What makes you think they're going to be able to do it every month for each show? Maybe that was the problem is because they had to drag it out for two months. Now, if you have a month to do each program, maybe it gets better. I don't know. You say that we still see what the, the AJ styles, Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn fucking. Yeah. That's been going on a year now. It's horrible. SmackDown's just been horrible since WrestleMania last year. I bet you they get Jeff Hardy. No, he has to come back as Brother Nero. Yeah, but I bet he'll come back as Brother Nero on the opposite show of his brother. No, WWE wouldn't do that. 
They, they they should just move the whole thing to SmackDown. Like just move Matt Hardy and Jeff to SmackDown. SmackDown just needs to become interesting. Like Raw has all this stuff that could just be better utilized on SmackDown. All right, Wes, so what's your opinion? Do you think brand, brand splitting for pay-per-views is good or bad? Well, one of the things I was reading in the Wrestling Observer was that the re- one of the reasons that they're doing that is because they, they are, were having a hard time stretching storylines out every two months. Yeah, that's between what I'm saying. Pay-per-views, which I just find kind of amusing considering that in the glory days of wrestling that they would only have four pay-per-views a year and stretch angles out sometimes six, eight months at a time. Uh, granted, they didn't have as much TV, but I think they're blowing through too many big angles. Um, I think they need to slow things down. Uh, I can see why that they're combining the, sh- the pay-per-views again. Um, it will have less uh, filler matches. It'll be more, it'll be a quicker pace. Um, the brand split pay-per-views, they didn't work the first time. And apparently they feel they didn't work the second time. Uh, so if they want to get those um, those eyeballs on the WWE Network consistently every month, uh, they have to have people from both shows watching. And the only way you can do that is to have matches from both shows. So uh, I can see why they're doing it. Um, Plus I, it cuts cost for them. So maybe they'll bring back Pyro. Right. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? That's just that's just a stock dream of mine. Yeah, oh, yeah. So yeah, but I mean, pyro pyro makes just, uh, you know you know makes it big, but it is expensive too. So I just rather see you know a pay per view lineup of title titles like Bobby. four title matches. Absolutely, I'd pay to see that. I just, exactly like. I just think that if the brands aren't split, I'm never going to see Dolph Ziggler on a pay per view ever again. No, 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 not with that new contract he just signed. Yeah, this also forces them to like not have people in limbo all the time. I'd rather see Dolph on three pay per views and three good matches than see him on six and four of them suck. And then I think less of Dolph Ziggler by the end of the year. I liked what 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 match was it that he was in last year? The the one for the Intercontinental Championship, the one that uh, what Zach Ryder won. That was last year, right? The triple threat that he won? No, it was a ladder match. The Intercontinental Championship was hanging oh. on the ladder. And it was like oh, yeah, that was pretty the Miz, match. Dolph Ziggler, and there was like someone else in it. That was a good match. I thoroughly enjoyed that match. I wish he was involved in more matches like that. Was that last year or was that 2016? Was it that long ago? It might have been 2016. So I think that was 2016. Because he was a Jeez. yeah, because he's been on he was on SmackDown all last year, and the U.S. took the Intercontinental Title from SmackDown. Didn't Miz take the Intercontinental Title after Mania this year? That's when the brand switch happened. The the swap up. Yeah, he took it after the shakeup. Yeah, he took it after the shakeup. But before then, he was feuding with. Uh, yeah, it wasn't early 2017. I'll look at. Yeah. But yeah, like Ziggler hasn't had a good. He didn't have a good match all year besides one. Because the rest of the rest of the time he's going against Nakamura, which was a horrible feud. Well, he was, and he's just doing that to put him over. I feel like that's what he's like. He's he's become like the put over king on SmackDown, and he's not, not even doing a really good job at it. No, because SmackDown's just in the gutter. Like they don't. I think Bobby Roode is a very bad, terrib- bad pit. terribly misused. That man was huge in NXT. 
He comes up now, and it's like, yeah. Sometimes I think Vince just signed the Bullet Club and uh, Shinsuke just so New Japan didn't have him anymore. Probably. Why? Well, you got any Vince stories? Yeah, uh, Vince stories. Ah, uh, I don't or have anything too, you want to say about the boss. I don't have too many Vince stories. Um, never that, had to literally I, kiss his ass in the ring or anything like uh, that. Not, no, I did not. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I didn't have too much interaction with Vince. Uh, I, I remember um, just a few times having some short conversations with him. Uh, I did. I, I did. Um, when I first got booked as extra, um, I, I did see him standing by himself um, in a corner, sending a text message. And I waited for him to finish his text message. And I, um, I, I made sure to go up and introduce myself and thank him for um, – you know, give me the opportunity uh, to be an extra, although not that he had anything to do with it because, you know, he, he didn't. He was just like, oh, who's this jabroni? Uh, but anyway, he was nice enough about it. <laughs> I remember asking, you know, some of the other talents. I said, hey, did y'all go speak to Vince? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going to bother Vince. Why the hell not? Go. You might not ever be brought back again. Go. All right. You know, this is yeah, just the mentality sometimes of uh, you know, the people uh, that were booked as extras was mind-boggling. Um, but it's like you know, go go speak to the man. Uh, I'd always try to speak to him. Never really had a lot of conversations with him. Uh, he did give me some pointers every now and then, uh, but not, you know, not really any. I don't have any stories. What about Shane or Stephanie? Um, Shane Shane um was not around much. Stephanie uh Stephanie. Um, she was around, but again, I didn't have much interaction with her because she was, you know, in charge of the writing staff. Um, so I didn't get to interact with her too much other than, you know, hello. I think the most interaction I had with any of them was, uh, Linda when we wrote uh, Elevator together at WrestleMania 24. Um, a buddy of mine, uh, Ryan Jackson, who who worked uh, production with him a little while, uh, did Indies. Uh, with Miss Mississippi, uh, we were on the elevator going up uh, to the room, and uh, all of a sudden, a big a big hand stops the door. And security guys, and he was like, "Hold the elevator!" And then, like, two security guys, and then Linda gets on, and we were like, looked at each other, and we're like, "Cool, we're in the elevator with Linda McMahon." And she was like, "She she was so she's so nice." She says, "She's like, hello, boys, how are you doing?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> we're WrestleMania, Miss Linda, we're doing great." <laughs> she laughed. And uh, she said, well, hope you boys enjoy the experience. You know, that's uh, my only Linda story. Um, Let me ask you this. Do you still have the referee uniform? Yes, I do. Um, I have uh, a couple of SmackDown um, shirts. I think I have an ECW shirt Did as well. Did you get any of it signed? No. Uh, I did not get – the only thing that I got signed from my time in WWE was um, a Floyd – Money Mayweather dollar bill from WrestleMania 24. By Floyd? By Floyd. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. When wow. uh when the money started raining down from the ceiling, uh, I'm such a terrible person, and if they want to come after me for royalties, they can. But when, <laughs> well, whenever I was uh at the um at WrestleMania 24, uh-huh. me and a group of guys were watching the Money Mayweather uh big show uh match from the uh you know, from the, there was an area where all the wrestlers could watch and I was done refereeing. And so when they made the money rain, uh, 
the money Mayweather dollars come down and it was everywhere and everybody was just kind of looking at it and nobody was grabbing it. So I just started grabbing chunks of it and just <laughs> stuffing my pockets with it. And everybody was looking at me like, what am I doing? And I looked up and I said, I said, hey, if I get fired, I'm selling these at the gimmick table on the indies. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, everybody looks around and then everybody starts scooping them up and putting them in their pockets. So I'm sure there's a pretty good bit of money Mayweather cash floating around the indies. Uh, I still have a box of it. Um, and I would I would sell them at the indies for a dollar a piece. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Most well, most of them were well, sold to, to the, most of them were sold to the boys in the back instead of the people in the crowd. But you know, um, that was hey, a memorabilia. It's memorabilia. Yeah, it is. It's exactly what it is. Um, I got a I got a dollar bill from uh, WrestleMania thirty what one when Sh- Shane made his comeback against the Undertaker. When he walked out, money rained down, and one just landed right in my lap before like everyone else, like all of the started pouring down, and I put it in my program to make sure it was safe, and it's it's hasn't left my program since I got home. That's a yeah. It was always fun to, when they did stuff like that. So from when you were from when you were refereeing in the WWE to now, what would you say looking on the outside is the biggest change? that you've perceived in, in the business as far as w, from WWE's perspective or yeah, 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 it's WWE. from WWE's perspective, the big change is um, it's now all about two things. Um, uh, it's about the number of network subscribers and it's about the television rights fees. Uh, while I was there, they were still a publicly traded company while I was there. So the stock price was an issue, uh, but there was still a big, um, big worry about TV ratings at the time. Uh, now that's not uh-huh. so much of an issue. Pay-per-view buy rates uh, was a big deal back then. Obviously not anymore with the WWE Network. Uh, but the the changes in the um, the business model, what their main focus is. Uh, now it's about getting the um, subscribers up. It's about extending those television rights fees and getting a um getting a um increase you know every new contract that comes up because if you you know i i encourage people to uh, I'm, I'm a numbers buff uh, i like looking at numbers I, I like reading the business reports in the the newsletter in the uh, wrestling observer uh because they do you know very detailed and, and plus wwe gives their earnings reports and statements every quarter uh, and i encourage people look at those uh and to see uh you know because people will, will be so quick and even sometimes myself I'm like oh did you see wwe only did a 1.9 rating yeah but they also had their record breaking revenue year in 2017 over sure. 800 million dollars they drew now granted you know they put out so much money that they didn't have record setting profits but i'd rather draw 800 million and make 32 million then, you know, draw, you know, a million and make a million. Uh, so, you know, there's so much more, um, their revenue streams are so much more diversified. You know, they have yeah. money coming in, from total divas, total uh, Bellas, all these other reality shows, uh, all these, the Facebook deal, the YouTube deal, all these new revenue streams. Um, and, and I feel like whenever their TV contract comes up, uh, 
they will probably get an increase in rights fees because now uh, they have a strong bullet point of uh, signing Ronda Rousey. Uh, that's going to make that's going to be very attractive to get WWE to a TV network. So somebody's going to pay some big bucks. Um, they're going to continue to make a lot of money. Uh, they're going to continuously come up with new ways to make money. But I also feel like they're going to be looking to cut expenses because if you read the earnings report, uh, yeah, if, if it said that uh, you know they made while they made a profit, the profit didn't quite cover the dividend that they had to pay to the stockholders. So I also feel like they're going to be cutting some budgets, uh, pyro, one one thing, um, eliminate some of the money-making divisions, uh, money-making house show tours, um, you know, so it's, you know, this is on the B-side pay-per-views. Exactly. You know, put more money into, uh, you know, you can't do, do not do a split branch shows, put all your stars on one show. Um, so to get potential, uh, I mean, there's still a few people that buy traditional pay-per-views um that's one thing that i feel wwe missed the ball on when they started the network i think they went to put they they put all their eggs in one basket uh the pay the pay-per-view business was not is not dead yet uh, i think the mayweather mcgregor fight proved that i think ufc proves that people are still willing to buy traditional pay-per-views uh i feel I that the wwe that they could have, they could have continued. They could have put their B pay per views on the network, but I don't think they would have had any less subscribers if maybe they would have continued to do four traditional pay per views like the old days. Have WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble on traditional pay per view, and not give it away for free. Because I, I mean, it, you know, being a business person myself. I have a big problem with WrestleMania being given away for free. You know, so many people get to watch it for free uh, on the network. And, and I understand why they're doing it, but it makes it hard on an indie. You know, if you can watch WrestleMania for free, who wants to pay 10 or $15 to come watch an independent show? You know, that's one of the things that really makes it hard on the independents uh, today. Yeah. That's uh, I agree. Actually, that's a very interesting perspective. I never even considered. Well, I mean, it's not free though. It's because Vince, Vince is a spiteful person. It costs you one hundred twenty dollars a year, and you're getting well, it as monthly revenue. So, yeah, yeah but think true. about it. In night, that would have been two pay per views, fifty dollars. But they also they also give the free WrestleMania trial. They give you a free trial every WrestleMania season. They give people a free month. That's true. I've never once gotten a free month. No, they offer a free month for WrestleMania. Yeah. It's very true. I mean, with their current booking, it makes sense in the way that they're running the company. Because let's face it, if they're trying to sell me the same match for WrestleMania, 50 bucks that I've seen on TV seven times this year, probably ain't going to work out that well. Right. They don't have any, they don't really have a mystique. There's no WWE mystique right now to sell me four pay per views a year. Right. And so, like, you know, I definitely, if I'm a casual person, I may go to like Buffalo Wild Wings and watch it, maybe, but I'm definitely not going to pay for it. So, I'll maybe know like two, three people on the card. Mm -hmm. like, I'm a pretty big wrestling fan, and I never once in not my entire it. life bought a pay per view for wrestling. I would always wait and buy a DVD if it was something I needed to watch. I went to like either Hooters or like Buffalo's to watch like WrestleMania. See, the Buff I've never been by. Buffalo's that had WrestleMania. The one out by UCF didn't have it. The one here in Claremont doesn't have it. 
Mm-hmm. I think the only one that really, only place I've ever know, seen wrestling was like in Ho- downtown Orlando. The Hooters on um play uh, the WrestleMania. I know I saw it too. Who are there? So, uh, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm never missing another WrestleMania ever. I'm going to every single one. Oh wow, it's dedication. I'm going to New Orleans. Went to Orlando. Went to Dallas. Got a streak going. True. Can't break it like Undertaker. Exactly. No Brock Lesnar's in my life. <laughs> if you could give some advice to any up-and-comer, what would it be? Treat it like a business. Look at yourself objectively and say, what about me can draw money? How can I make myself a performer that somebody would pay to see? Uh, I see too many people um, who do moves and gimmicks to amuse themselves, um, to get themselves. They're trying to get themselves over. Um, They're trying to mark out for their favorites. They're not trying to develop their own unique personality. Um, Learn psychology. Um, I see too many heels trying to do cool moves. Um, Heels should not be performing moonsaults. Heels should not be doing fancy moves. Heels should not be getting pops. Um, Whatever your job is on an independent show, whether it's to get somebody over, get yourself over as a baby face, get over as a heel, do do your job um, and take it seriously. Um, I feel that's a problem on the indies uh, is there's too many people that are playing wrestler. There are not people who are wrestlers. Um, They don't invest money in their gear, their look. They don't train at the gym. They don't train in the ring. Um, Take it seriously. Treat it like a business. Market yourself. Um, If you have any aspirations of going to the WWE, uh, you need to start acting like it. Um, you You need to reach out to them. You need to send tapes. You need to beat their door down because now uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easier to get looked at than it used to be. It's easier to get a tryout than it used to be. It's easier to get on their radar than it used to be. Um, get on their radar because, I mean, to me, I don't – what's the point? To me, independent wrestlers who are doing it for a hobby, you need to just stay home and buy tickets. Uh, that was one thing that always really burned me up. Oh, I don't want to go to WWE. I'm just doing this as a hobby. Well, you need to stay home because you're what's killing the business. And it's a very sore subject with me, and I'll get very hot about it because I'll see, uh, especially Mississippi, others promotions around here that have local television, and they're pushing fake Russians and fake clowns and fake hillbillies. And you're the and I and I I tell these guys you're the epitome of why people make fun of Southern wrestling. You have to evolve. Mm. You have to try to put on a product that people can relate to. You can't relate to a fake, fat Russian anymore, a fake, fat hillbilly, a fake clown. You can't do that anymore and expect results. And that was another reason why I have so many issues with the indies, because I would try to help people, and I would try to give pointers, and, you know, I would just get ignored, shunned, and uh, just, you know, it's like, if I would have been around somebody WWE experience, um, when I broke in, so none of the guys that broke me in ever got so much as a dark match or a tryout or anything, WWF, WCW, anywhere. I broke in with a local wrestling group. Okay. 
and you you have one person around here, and I, I I defy anybody to go find anybody from the Mississippi Independent scene that has gotten any kind of contract or a contract in the last twenty years, and you can't name one. Um, I mean, not that it amounts to a hill of beans, but I'm the guy from Mississippi that got some type of contract, and these independent scenes won't the, around here won't take advice, won't listen to reason. And want to continue to do the old wrestling stuff that does not make any sense anymore. And it's just really frustrating. So um, avoid that kind of stuff, for one thing. Um, you see what they're doing on WWE TV. You see what they're doing in NXT. You see what they're doing in New Japan. That's what you need to try to present. That's what's drawing money today. That's one of the only things drawing money. Um and, you know, when some of these independents are drawing 20 and 30 people, I'll give, it, I'll give you a perfect example. And not that I'm, you know, our, our little promotion that we run occasionally, you know, we've had our shows that didn't draw. But we've also drawn our big, our, our big crowds, too. There's a local uh, independent promotion that runs here on the coast. And they draw 25 or 30 people to a show. And they have, um, they're starting to run television. Why do you want to run television so you can show off the 30 people that you draw? Now those 30 <laughs> people don't come to your shows anymore because they think they can watch you for free on TV. doesn't make any sense. Mm, that's true. And you want to put, you know, f- that on television. And, and um, it's just really frustrating to me. Avoid that kind of stuff. Avoid those types of promotions. Avoid the turd wrestling. Avoid these old people that tell you stories. Oh yeah, I was uh, this and that, and I was um, Mister Wrestling too in the UWF. But I wore a mask, so you wouldn't recognize me. You know that kind <laughs> of old school work. You know, working and, and there's a difference between working people and flat out lying. And you, you have to be a businessman. You have to ask yourself: Am I in wrestling for my own personal glory? Am I in it to uh, make myself look like a star. Am I in, or am I in it to learn my craft, learn how to draw money, and get to where I'm wrestling full time for a living somewhere? Because if you're doing it just for a hobby, you need to get out because you're what's wrong with the business. Um, you, nobody. That's one thing that I had a big problem with was I wanted to try to build a, a Mississippi territory, build a, a Ring of Honor style company where we would tour throughout Mississippi and draw, and put on a better product. But you can't do that when half your talent is still working these turd shows in front of 25 and 30 people. Because I'm very protective when I when I promote shows. I don't like using people from other Mississippi organizations. Uh-huh. Because why, why would I put somebody in a position to main event and draw money for me when they're all doing jobs to some fat-masked Russian who's probably never even been outside of the county he lives in, much less Russia, <laughs> you got over 30 bucks and expect to come to my show that's going to draw and expect to pay off. You know, why yeah. would I put you over or put you in a position to put you over when you're out doing jobs for schlubs like that? You know, and, and you got to ask yourself, are you a mark for being in the ring, just being in the ring and having matches? Or are you a mark for making money, learning the craft, learning the business? You know, why are you in wrestling? That's what people have to ask themselves. Says the person. That sounds like some solid advice, man. 
I appreciate it. Uh, I get, I get really burned up and passionate and I haven't even had a beer tonight. So you guys, you're getting, <laughs> if I'd have had, had six or seven tonight, you, you'd hear some stuff. So <laughs> maybe next time, man, we'll maybe definitely we have you back, back on if you want to six or seven maybe beers. And... <laughs> now that I know how to use Google hangouts. Hey, yeah, man, sky's the limit. Like changing. Well, Wes, man, we got to be wrapping up here soon. So, anybody else you want to give a shout out to? Anything you want to plug real quick? Uh, well, don't have any events to plug, but you know, um, anybody that's listening, you know, from fans to to talent, you know, just you know, anybody's listening. Thank you, appreciate it. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm always open to answer questions. I'm always down to do a referee seminar or just, you know, just speak to young talent, you know, that's willing to listen, you know, so, um, you know, appreciate, um, sounds good. You no, know, everybody. So thank you very and much we, for having me. And we can just find you at Wesley Adams or Wes Adams. Wes Adams. Yep. Wes Adams and power slam productions, Facebook page. That's our independent, um, sometimes. So, but where our Facebook page is still there. So, <laughs> All right, you guys heard it. Contact the man, Wes Adams, if you're trying to get some knowledge and some gems in your life. And that'll be this episode for the week. Peace out.